Welcome, Dr. James Beckett. Sports Card Insights here with Joel Belfer, Mint Condition. We're both uh, finishing up at the Mint Collective in Las Vegas, and I'm going to get Joel's perspective. But thanks, sponsors, many of whom are here, Topps Panini, Upper Deck, Heritage Auctions, Huggins Scott Auctions, Mike Stadium Sports Cards, Burbank Sports Cards, ComC.com, and Beckett Media, Beckett Grading, Beckett Authentication. Actually, I think the only people I haven't seen here are the auction sponsors. So, Joel, it's been a target-rich environment. Are you having a great time because you're always synthesizing and accumulating what's going on in the industry. You do great work. I'm glad you were able to sit down with me and give us your thoughts on how outstanding this was. Absolutely. Thank you for having me on. It's awesome to meet you in person after having some Zooms and email communications Zoom over the last year. Zoom is not enough. You think it is not enough. For me either. <laughs> <laughs> but to your point, this is such a unique conference. I think other events in the past had more of a focus towards the card side and people buying, selling, trading, breaking. And this is a complete 180 in some respects where you go walking through the show and one table is buying and selling and the next table is inventory management solution for your collection. Then you also have the signature sessions going on that give a lens into where the industry is going from so many different perspectives, whether it be cards as an alternative asset by the future of memorabilia. This is such a unique conference and it gathered all the different visionaries both today and in the future for the hobby. I you know feel lucky to be a part of this to meet so many people for the first time that I've communicated with due to my newsletter. That's been incredible to continue forging those bonds. So overall, great experience. This has not been strictly a B2B show, whereas the National, I think, is a B2C. There's some sponsor booths and things like that, but it's a lot of the rank and file of the industry, customers, consumers, collectors, whatever you think your C word is. But rather than this just being B2B, this is B to capital C, the way I see, because there are a lot of collector, customer, uh, you know, walking around, they got fat wallets. This is not the average collector that's coming to this. It's somebody that's in it. As you said, there's a very strong technology crowd here, not just uh, past tense, but I think there's some groups looking for funding, looking for partnering opportunities for the technology that they have, in many cases, prototyped or beta or something like that. They may not be quite ready for prime time, but they have model. Mm -hmm. But the marketing of these products and the branding of these products is not trivial anymore. Breaking out of the noise Mm -hmm. is... uh, Have you stopped in on some of those and seen some of these? Sure. I think that's been really unique here in that you walk the floors or you network at the different signature events that are going on. So many different new companies are popping up that I just haven't heard from before. And they're really on the ground stage They're either just launching now, they just launched a few weeks ago, and they come to this event really trying to promote themselves and and get themselves out in the hobby. And I think we're seeing a few different topics, areas people are going into. There's so many inventory management solutions popping up. Who's going to win that race? It's unbelievable how many different services companies are offering to manage people's inventory, whether it being able to track the price of your collection, whether it be to easily buy and sell with a click of a button, whether it be white glove service. I ran to a company where they offer white glove service. They go in person to a, an individual's house and you know they could upload all their inventory. It's unbelievable the innovation that's going on. Not everybody's going to win. Not everybody's going to become a household name. Everybody's getting in on the ground floor right now and over the next few years, we'll see who sticks around and, and who fades away. I think those white gloves are probably pretty expensive. It's, uh, Definitely. On the other hand, there's a need for low-end services and high-end services and with the digitization of everything, if you get volume in this industry, you can make some money. Definitely. You have the core consumer base walking the floors. They've been in the hobby for years now. They're going to continue being in the hobby. A lot of the talk during the sessions, though, was how do we bring more people into the hobby? Um, how do we grow the hobby from an estimated 2 to $3 million that people were talking about to upwards of that, you know, eight figures? And I think a, a lot of the talk was around simplifying the collecting and investing experience. 
if people have money to invest, they don't know what card to invest in, what product, what year. And that's what some of these companies also are trying to do, like a collectible offering perhaps down the road a basket of cards, an ETF-like product where you could just place your money in it and they'll do the rest for you as a basket of cards. We've done some baskets, but they're more thematic and, right. and a, a bundle of something. But uh, the, the big challenge here in this show is people can't be two places at once. You went to some of these seminars. They're in a different room. Right. And if you're working the show floor, and I've done both, you've done both, but you can't do both at the same time. Mm. And that's been the challenge because some of these seminars, I think, were really outstanding. Absolutely. Always hobby decision makers, uh, industry decision makers, uh, who, when they have vision for the future, they're in the seat where they can make that happen. Definitely. And so did you lean more toward the seminars, which took you out of the show floor? I did, yes. I think going into it, I had to come up with a game plan how I was going to allocate my time. Coming from where I am, writing the newsletter, I've met so many people through the newsletter, really interested in the future of the hobby. I definitely spent more time in those sessions, both listening and then networking afterwards. I, of course, walked the floors a Friday evening, Saturday this morning, but I think my main purpose coming here was to be able to meet in person with so many people that I've connected with and hear about where the hobby is going. Right. But, and some of that was going on in those seminars, and I don't know if they're going to be made available afterwards. I noticed some people surreptitiously recording. Right, <laughs> yes. I think that's illegal, but it's hard to clamp down on that, just like concerts and things like that. <laughs> Still a lot of content there. And the ones that I missed, uh, I suppose I could request... They charged so much for it. There was a differential there. You could get into the show pretty cheaply. But if you wanted that signature pass or something like that, it was three figures. Definitely. And I think they sold a bunch of them, but they need to sell a lot more in an expensive venue like this. So I think those seminars are an important part of it. And I don't think you can charge $100 a day to go to a card show. No. Even early access. Agree. <laughs> and this think, is yeah. unprecedented to have all that going on under one roof in a city with a lot of other things competing mm-hmm. for your attention. Absolutely. It's a... Uh, First time in Vegas for me, so it's been incredible to come out here for this. And I, I do think there's some uncertainty hanging over the conference specific to the signature sessions. I think Ezra Levine in his opening remarks said, the hobby's experiencing massive growth, but there is uncertainty. And I don't think we talked so much about that during the signature sessions. It was more so how everybody's going to grow the hobby, but I think the uncertainty is with fanatics entering the space, what happens to the rest of the market. In the latest session we were in, uh, an individual who owns a card, Josh Luber, a question. I know. I, he's and, one of my sponsors. Right. Mike Fruitman, yeah. He said, should I renew my lease? And yeah. the question was not answered, but I was saying, Mike, please renew your lease. <laughs> he's an iconic card shop in uh, Aurora, Colorado. And I hope he's being somewhat facetious. But, mm-hmm. so but I think, again, I if you're in a, in a role like that, you, you can't be making implicit promises from the podium. So I think that's some uncertainty. And, and frankly, I think it's two-pronged. Number one, I think Fanatics is still working through their game plan in both the near and long term. I don't think they're ready to come out and say what their plans are for every piece of the hobby because they just acquired a $500 million company. They're integrating it within Fanatics. They're figuring out what they need to hire for, what they're trying to get into. So they're not ready to lay it all out. And I think also they're keeping some cards close to them. Lay all your cards out on the table. Because they don't have a monopoly at this point. Mm -hmm. It's possible that they could have a near monopoly at some point in 2022. And there's speculation to that effect. I don't think monopolies are good. I think duopolies, you know, the Coke and Pepsi thing, I think they both thrived from having competition. So you know, having a worthy competitor is not always a bad thing. Definitely. Uh, if you have 90% of the market, you effectively have a, have a monopoly. So I, I'm not in favor of these single sport things even. And yet, if Fanatics gobbles up all the different companies, mm-hmm. they're going to have all the brands we used to enjoy. They can bring them back under their, you know, powered by Fanatics. So that'll be interesting to see. I think another thing I took away from the sessions is increasing 
focus on regulation in terms of trying to lessen regulation in the hobby. Okay. okay. Um, if Ezra spoke about it as part of cards as an alternative investment, it's just an arduous process to register right. each of the cards. It's a full process they have to go through with the SEC. Secondarily, you have capital gains tax is more expensive for collectibles than stocks. So I think over the next few years, I think we're going to see increased lobbying as a hobby to try to make things more frictionless and make things more in line with stocks. Because I think the hobby is going to a place where it's becoming an alternative asset that's respected. And I think the regulation needs to reflect that. Yeah, There is one segment of a political party that would like to just gross them all up. Not a differential anymore, but uh, everybody's paying 38% for everything they earn or they have, perhaps. Mm-hmm. So I'm not in favor of that. That would be a bad regulation. But yeah, cleaning it up, making it simpler. Are we big enough now to have lobbying efforts? It's a good question. I think we're not, but I think if we would be, I think that would be positive. I agree. But um, you know, I don't know that you can be in an IRA. I, I don't think you put cards in it. I think you put gold coins in there, maybe. Mm-hmm. But I, think I don't so. think you put cards. Right. So... Again, these are all things that you be careful what you wish for. Did you think the panels that you went to would have benefited from being a smaller room? They were in big rooms, big mm-hmm. panels, and longer. Definitely. Do you think they could have been shorter, smaller panels, smaller room to really get to this town hall meeting kind of thing? Instead right. of a, a yeah. pretty sparse with some outstanding um, uh, speakers up there. It's a good question. I think the breakout sessions, smaller rooms were better. There were a few I was in where the room was packed and it turned into That's more of a, a conversation. A it, it really yeah. was a conversation. You didn't feel like the the panelists were far away from you. We were communicating back and forth. And I loved that vibe. This is the first time Collectible and, and eBay and have put this together. I think they'll they'll reflect and see what they'll change. Yeah, I think smaller room for the breakout sessions, making sure you have enough time for Q&A because I think people coming here, coming to those All sessions right. are locked in and they have so many things on their mind 100 percent granting access for the to those panelists is is key for people that are coming and and not just be the passive listen and keep your mouth shut Mm -hmm. have you ever gone on clubhouse a bit because i think if they created a real life clubhouse here that'd be more fun than it's talking heads up on the stage with clubhouse you have to be there Mm -hmm. and and same thing here you got to be there because people are going to be not more honest necessarily but it's just a different vibe when you have that sense of Mm -hmm. Inclusive exclusivity. Everybody in here, we're talking and we're passionate about this and we can let it out. It's not being recorded. I think that's the way the culture is going. People want internet. Otherwise, just uh, let me stream it later. You know, in the video, right. there's no presentations I've been to where video really mattered, but video is important. There was some good stuff in there. Absolutely. Some good stuff in there. There's so much innovation going on right now by both new companies entering the space companies that are already up and coming like a collectible and then even the established players like an eBay rolling out their vault, rolling out their authenticity guarantee. Everybody's trying to innovate and grab both a larger part of the pie as well as grow the overall size of the pie. I think it'll be interesting to see you have these disruptors, how much share will they take versus an established player like eBay that's trying to innovate within a large public company. How effective will that be? I think it'll be interesting to watch moving That'll forward. That'll be very interesting to see. But eBay has taken a, a title role here, I think. And, and one of the key things for next year, which I hope there is in next year, we'll be seeing, number one, is eBay still the title sponsor? I think they very well could be. I think they're mm-hmm. doubling down in this category. Yes. But then how many of these new bootstrap companies are going to be here again next year? We, we may have a whole new group of these uh, entrants that, mm-hmm. that, again, if they're a technology person that has uh, a passion and understanding of the hobby, I, I, I hope they do well. We need more of those. Yes. Because they're actually solving, attempting to solve real problems that real hobbyists have, real collectors and even investors, not hypothetical problems. Their technology... Uh, seems to address. 
So definitely. So you'd be back next year. Absolutely. I would be back next year. I think they tweak the card show aspect a little bit. But this is one of the nicer card shows in, for, in terms of walking around. But it's got to be. If you're in Vegas, you, if it's boring, there's plenty of places within walking distance for entertainment. Did you go to the party last night? I've never been to a party like that in the uh-huh. industry. Yeah. You know, it was, uh, the leaders and the visionaries of the industry all in one nightclub together. Yeah. <laughs> the only problem is it's 90% male. There's something about that that seems... It's not balanced. Well, that's why they kicked uh, us out at 9.30. I, I guess. I left a little before that. But, but that, was, uh, that was a scene. When people are trying new things, I don't want to be criticizing the doers. When you're doing something, hats off to you. If it's right. imperfect, then you have a choice to either tweak it and do it again or lick your wounds and do something else. But, mm-hmm. but these uh, you know, Collectible and IMG and eBay is the title sponsor. And my old company was one of the key sponsors they got on board really quickly that just shows a lot of people here think if we can make the pie bigger definitely that's going to benefit everybody and it's no longer the zero-sum game that people perceived five years ago definitely reflecting on the community here of course i've been collecting for years now i've got into the newsletter and the business side of things over the last year i think coming to something like this you just have an instant bond with so many people you collect in the same hobby you care about the long-term health and growth of the hobby. I compare it to attending a a private equity or finance conference. Those commonalities aren't the same. Whereas you come here, you have shared bonds and people I've met through my newsletter and only communicated once or twice with, I see them in person and the relationship is already strong. I'm sure they're already returning your calls and responding (laughs) to your texts, but even more so now because they know you're a real person and and you cared enough to come. Yes. The skin in the game for a lot of these busy people and the people with the fatter wallets is they got lots of things they can do with their time. Mm-hmm. And to come here to have this immersive experience, it's just hard to describe. You had to be here. Yep. And I think there'll be a number of people that'll come next year on the recommendation that this year with a, a really good first effort. Yes. And Collectible mm-hmm. taking this key role is positioning themselves as a, as a market leader, industry leader in some respects. And I I applaud that. Absolutely. Okay. Thanks, Joel. Thanks to everybody. If you weren't here, you missed a good one.